Renee here at Unsupervised Learning, your easy listening podcast for bleeding edge open source tech. This episode saw me speaking to an awesome guest in the field of B2B, Carl Laguerre. We spoke about home automation, making tech more accessible, keeping models locally running, and how you even go about setting that up as a non-technical person. It's one you'll enjoy. Let's get into it. When you're using ChatGPT to code, or when you're starting like coding courses, like what what are you making? The yeah, I, was, I don't even remember what I would have been making back in the day or why. Just I think it was an area of interest. But like with ChatGPT, like some of the stuff I was focusing on was like one of the things I made was I got really interested in voice, like having it hear me and then like feed stuff back. And so back to that comment when you said AE, and maybe for the people listening, AE is like account executive meaning in sales. <clears throat> so it was like, how can this help me be better on a sales call? And that was like the big idea I was trying to do was as I talk, can you chunk it out, run it through a prompt and then feedback something relevant so, so I can react better on a call. So I kind of was tinkering around with that. Of course, in this space, there's like a dozen companies that are doing this now, but that's just the way it yeah. goes. And then one of the other fun ones was around Christmas was I built a a phone number where my nephews could call Santa basically, or have Santa call them. So it had like a clone Santa voice that I used like with 11 labs and it was set up Santa prompt style. So they could just dial Santa and talk to Santa basically. So I thought those were like cute that idea for the nephews. Really, really cute. Yeah. <laughs> but 11 labs is really interesting to me. Like I messed around with it, but the Australian accents are really, <laughs> really tricky to get. So it ended up sounding a bit like the grudge. Like <laughs> I tried to do like a podcast intro, but it was like, eh. the, uh, the voice thing was odd. Like, I don't know when you think of Santa's voice, like, what do you think? Does he have an Australian I, accent or does he have kind no. of a, okay. He's English for sure. Yeah. He's English. Okay. He's like, Thank you. hello, I'm Santa. <laughs> wow. That was bad. But yeah. Yes. Okay. I agree. Yeah. That's exactly how I think about Santa, but it was hard to yeah. get the voice. So I had to like find <clears throat> YouTube videos of in English style Santa talking. And then you got to like strip out the, all, cause all the videos of Santa online are like, there's like elf noises in the background and workshop noises. So yeah, you have to like strip those out and there's like some software that helped, but there, however that technology works, there was just like weirdness with the voice at some point. So sometimes when the kids are talking to Santa, Santa's like, Hello? It just goes really awkward and then goes back to normal, but the kids didn't really call it out, which I was thankful for, but it's certainly weird if you talk to Santa long enough. I found you through a post about Jam, right? Someone pinged me and said, hey, this person's doing, like, they've they've spoken about local LLMs. I was like, why? And then I looked at your account <laughs> and you're you're an AE and I stereotyped you really hard because I was like what's he doing what's he doing with software yes but, I know what's this tech bro doing shouldn't he be on a sales yeah. call so um, how did you get into LLMs well I guess like yeah into LLMs in general so I think I don't know what the day was November 30th I think when chat GPT came out and uh, you know I think I saw like on Twitter like people were just like sharing some little stuff and I think like our first interaction is always like sing me a song about pirates like something really stupid right <clears throat> and then you're kind of like wow this is really neat and then i asked it a question on html and it like spit out formatted code and i was like and like i just feel like the gears start spinning in my head because i basically like my the history of my online education with like coding is littered with starting and stopping 
uh, coding courses. Like you get to like, you set up your environment variables or whatever, and you finally get to say hello world. And then like, well, that's probably it. You never come back to it. And <clears throat> then you pick it up later. This was like a whole new thing because it helped me like leapfrog what I felt was probably would have taken years of actual learning to just like test out ideas or, or tinker really. I'm thinking like Gong and Sybil. Have you tried Sybil AI? I've tried it's Sybil. Like, was it real time that you're looking at? Well, that yeah. So that, I mean, that's really like the trickiness you run into. What? So like what I had built out and it was a really crude prototype, but it was like almost like a information window. That's like, if you're talking and I'm talking, it's trying to like surface relevant chunks. There is a inherent difficulty in understanding how you chunk people talking. Is it like, is it a, is it at a pause? Can you look for like a natural, like period in point? So it's, it's not perfect. And it was quite hard and there's smart people that are working on this, but that was just an idea of stuff that the, Delta between me having that idea and then actually being able to have something you could kind of show to people prior to like ChatGPT was God, you know, like, I don't know. I still wouldn't say I know how to code, but I know how to like massage the LLMs to get stuff to work for me. So yeah. it's stuff like that. And there's just lots of silly ideas like the Santa caller as one example. So yeah, I think maybe I was going to say tie it up. I think it's just like, I have a lot of ideas, some dumb, some bad some good but either way it just allows you to kind of iterate and test stuff out without you know some hacky way to get it or trying to convince someone who knows how to code <laughs> why your ideas is worth executing and oftentimes they aren't so that that's it's, like one of the, my main interests so far yeah it's a lot of the i would say like low code no code or the interfaces like have you tried like super agent or those those interfaces that or the uis that aren't just vs code because vs code for me is very it's like a learning curve but if i see something with an with an interface that's very like a like a chatbot like jan or like um lm studio or something that's like not it, it's not as technical and so yes. are you your current kind of not workflow, but like in terms of tinkering and stuff, do you head to hugging face for a specific use case or are you, what are you doing? Well, yeah, so that was, I mean, that's how Jen, I guess, came on my radar because all the work before was just with like OpenAI's API and it was just fine. It's accessible. They had very good documentation, but then I was always like watching hugging face. There's always like cool stuff going on, right? There's like interesting models and the, <clears throat> but there's always like a technical limitation on like my computer, like I just have a, a MacBook. I think it's like an M2, which actually surprisingly now aren't bad for a lot of this stuff. But, you know, a few months ago, even there wasn't a lot of ways to run some of these models. So this is something I just looked at from the sidelines. And then a, a, a random Reddit post talked about Jan. And I was like, oh, very cool. So down with that. And I was like, yes, this is exactly it, right? It's an easy app. You can just pick and load your models. So I guess my interest is maybe it wasn't just open source specific, but it was just like cool new stuff. And a lot of the models are, these open source models are the cool new stuff. But from that, there's like two things that I got very excited about. So the first I was, I fly a lot for work and I was on a plane. I had work to do and I, I use these LMs for like everything all the time. Just like bouncing ideas off. There's no Wi-Fi on the plane. Well, guess what? Jan's fine, right? Boot up the laptop yeah, right. and then you can just keep going with that. That to me is amazing. And then it goes to like this other area of interest. So I'm a big Star Trek fan. And have you watched Star okay. Trek? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you know yeah. when they just go, they go to like the computer and they'll just say computer and they ask anything and, it, and it'll give yeah. an answer. Obviously it's very hard to do, you know, opening, I can kind of do that. But what does it look like to run that completely locally within your house? And this is like 
<clears throat> you can now start having your data accessible. You're not, you're not scared to start dumping your own personal data in. I do a lot of like home automation stuff. So those all run locally on their own. And I hate that some of them, the stuff I have set up has to call out to OpenAI. So what does it look like where you have your own LLM running in your house to, to do stuff, whatever that stuff might be. And that's like what I, I'm very interested about some of these models is, you know, your house offline is still smart. It's like the Star Trek computer, I think is like my end goal, but that's where I got really excited with Jan because they have the, like you can just start the server and have the API calls running to do a lot of this. They just made this stuff so easy for someone like me who has the support, you know, of an LLM to code, but still I would not call myself technical, but there's the Jan team making this like so easy with like stuff that I do know how to do versus, I mean, for anybody who is, you know, I'll, I'll just say like us, I guess it's a complicated world to wade into, to do the littlest it, stuff. There's so much implicit knowledge that <clears throat> someone might look and go, oh, I, of course, that's how you do it. Like sometimes when I first started, people were like, oh, here you go. And they just send you a GitHub link. I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do with this? Like you're trying to I've, go to the readme and I'm like, I, I, does this solve my problem? So I've never been to GitHub before, like before prior to. <laughs> You know that that was one of my issues was I I hadn't used GitHub, but like in your day to day at work specifically, are you considered technical by like colleagues and peers, or are you kind of like like where do you sit? Because I I want to get to your involvement with the AI community in Vancouver, right? Vancouver. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, nice. I know a lot of people are in Saskatoon, Canada, which is apparently like the middle of nowhere. It is indeed, yes. That is, even for Canada, which has a lot of empty space, Saskatoon is quite, it's unusual, I would say, to know, know people there. Yeah, let's but just that's... shit on them. Yeah, you suck, guys. <laughs> hey, I'm from the prairies. <laughs> These are my people. I get it. But, you know, I think the people from Saskatoon would say the same. I hope, hopefully you don't have a large uh, Saskatoonian listenership, but sorry to my fellow Canadians. <laughs> so, uh, currently, that's self-driven, that experience. Yeah, like I would... My role is not technical. We, like the company itself, I guess it's always like this in software, right? The underlying knowledge is obviously very technical and has a very a lot of very, very smart people working on it, but those aren't the people selling it. <laughs> like, you know, a salesperson's role, just understand the problems it solves, not necessarily mm -hmm. the technology. So my work, my day-to-day -day is very non-technical. However, everything else is self-driven. So my, my interest and my life has always kind of been like that. I've always been in sales and, and working at SaaS companies, I guess, makes you a little more technical than other people. Actually, I don't know if that's true. We just use a lot of software. <laughs> I don't know, maybe that makes us feel like we're technical, but no, my day-to-day, -day, it's very untechnical, but it's just all personal pursuits where you do this and love to talk about the AI community when we get to that. But yeah, because that, that's been an interesting world because your initial reaction to like when AE is involved in here, that also happens in real life <laughs> at all these meetups. I'm still an enigma, I think, or an anomaly, I should say, at a lot of these technical meetups. Yeah. And so before we get to that, I wanted to talk about like, are you using LLMs at work or are you using like you said in your day to day, like home automation, I get like, are you using like, is it NFC? Is that what they're called? The no, you know, the little chips. There are NFC. Some, yeah. 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 I tried to buy some chips off Amazon so that I could just touch it and my Xbox would like connect to <laughs> my, and yes. 
Yeah. Again, my husband was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm from the future. I'm Judy Jetson. Leave me alone. Yeah. There's, but, if you look carefully, there's little stickers actually all over oh, this wow. environment for, for stuff like that. And so th yeah, there's that. And there's just like the motion sensors and, and uh, you know, one, one of the projects was building a, like a Google home smart speaker, but that runs off, runs locally. So there's, that's the end state. And I want Jan to be powering that essentially. There's just a few hurdles I got to jump over to get that. But the idea being that you can like have your little computer with a speaker, ask it a question, say about your house or, or ask it to do an automation and have that executed like completely offline. Mm -hmm. So that's like one of the, the end states. So um, NFC tags are just one layer to that, but it's, that's the thing that I'm trying to do. And that's, uh, it's very complicated. If you think software is hard, bring in anything to do with hardware and it's like, Going to the most insane level of complication. So there's again, a lot of smart people online to help out, unfortunately, but yeah. I'm thinking about different use cases for that in specific, but I've seen in a lot of discord communities, people trying to make AI girlfriends, like uh, local yes. AI girlfriends that like, <laughs> kind of like the movie, her. Have you seen that? Yes. It's like this, yeah. this disembodied voice. And I'm like, you know what? I think there are some things that we look back on and we're like, oh, that's not such a crazy idea. But at the time it's like, what? <laughs> like, it, it's, it's easy for me to punch down and be like, oh, get a real girlfriend. But like, mm, I can see the appeal kind of, but it's not something <laughs> that I'm like actively championing. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know where we, I like the local aspect though. Cause I don't even know, you know, you don't want whatever weirdness you're talking to about it ever being online. So at least you can just keep that right within the local network rather than risk anything. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big draw. <laughs> so AI community, how did you get into that? It's the Lang, the Langtang community specifically. It was, yeah. So we started as, so I have a few colleagues, I guess. Well, I'll call them friends, actually. Some colleagues depersonalize it so much. They're, we're like both tinkering together, I guess. And, you know, <clears throat> one of my friends, a shout out, Reed Robinson, he works at Zapier on their AI side. He's also not technical, but kind of is. So it's like both of us are just like, wow, this is really cool. We can do stuff that we couldn't do before. And so just like us sharing ideas, he, through his work, he, would speak to Langchain and like, are you familiar with Langchain? If you come across it very briefly, like I okay. know that the Jan team is working with Langchain okay. and I have just started using Langchain tools to try and mess around with stuff. But I, I'm a few steps behind you, I think in terms of technical capability and awareness. So yeah. And if I'm coming across as very confident in this case, again, it's just the LLMs. In fact, it's right in <laughs> front of me feeding me answer answers. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> the, um, <clears throat> Well, Langchain is like, it's just a framework to help you work with like large language models. So like when I talked about before about building like the voice projects and, and chunking, Langchain like brings in ways to chunk. They help you with embeddings and vectors in like a very easy way. So they are, you know, at least at the time, I don't, I don't know the state of it now, a lot of people's projects involve Langchain somehow because it just made a lot of stuff easier to do when you were building. And uh, he got connected with Harrison, the co-founder. And then you started finding out, well, there's a lot of people in Vancouver doing this as well, right? You know, it, it's happening on Twitter. They're happening across at other tech companies. And it's not work stuff, it's just people having fun, I guess, or, or pushing the limits of these LLMs at the time. So we thought it'd be fun to have a meetup. And um, so the first meetup was Langchain. And we met another gentleman who he had won some competition with Langchain. And well, so three Vancouver people connected and 
we just put out this invite, honestly, not knowing what to expect. And like, gosh, within like a very small amount of time, a few days, it was sold out. So yeah. I think it was 60 something people. And we're like, so it just shows you kind of like the, the interest that existed across Vancouver mm -hmm. at the time. And that's morphed into just an AI meetup. So while we did focus on Langchain, we had a lot of people coming out of the woodwork that were like, like guys with PhDs in data science who were working on like strange biochemistry AI projects who wanted to share stuff and they felt limited by a same Langchain. So now it's just honestly open, open meetup, come show cool stuff and mm -hmm. meet other like-minded people. But it, it makes me laugh your comment because like, you know, everyone's like, what do you do? Software developer, data scientist, all that. Like, what do you do? Like, I'm in sales. Like, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, it is still an anomaly, but I, I, it just speaks to this new world. This is what I get very excited about is I, I can sit in a room with a lot of these people and share stuff and understand know-how. Again, without, they're so much more educated and, you know, have a different almost way of thinking, but it's like we're... One guy called, one guy brought up something really interesting and I'm going to see what you think about this. So on my side, I would call myself like a fairly good communicator, but I'm not, I'm not very technical. LMs have like helped me become more technical and understand that. And then on the flip side, you have a lot of people who are very technical, but they're, they're poor communicators. You know, I, I don't want to paint a broad brush for engineers or software developers, but you, you probably kind of get where I'm going. Mm -hmm. Their, their world is a little different than like a world where you're, you're engaging with people to people all day. But what they called out was like, when you, a good prompting is like a good, clear, a good, clear way to communicate, to get the answers you ultimately want. So mm. it was like, well, I'm saying it helps me be technical. They're saying it helps them become better communicators. And I thought there's like this interesting two sides of the coin, but in this, the middle is, you know, how to work with LLMs, which is still helping us. So I don't mm. know if that sounded like really strange, but. It's just like an interesting it's, observation I had from two very different personality types. But a hundred percent, like, I think it's helping me scale my technical capability, but also I feel like I'm losing a little bit of my ability to communicate. But mm. I think for, for other people, they're kind of realizing they're building all of these really cool things, but they need a way to be able to bring it out. Well, it's like a... Well, I think a good example for me was like, if you've had the chance to try those GPTs, like the GPT builder, it's like mm -hmm. you talk about what you're trying to do. And it's like a different way to build. And I think it's really interesting because you're like, I want it to do this. And then it doesn't do that. You're like, actually, here's what I want to do. So it's like this, like back and forth conversation you're having to build, well, essentially an app, which I, it's just fundamentally different than, you know, the very strict well, this is what you called in your function in Python. So this is what it does. Of course, this is what it does. But this is like you're talking, like not, not exactly what I meant. <clears throat> so it's like this different way to communicate where I think sometimes, you know, people in, people who are often in person-to-person -person jobs are better at communicating. I don't want to say always good. I think we all work with people who probably could improve their communication. But a lot of people who are used to very matter-of-fact technical speaking, it's not the same. I don't know. I think I'm spiraling no, out here as well, no, but it's no, like, I, <clears throat> it's just interesting. That's clarity. <laughs> that's giving me some clarity because I'm thinking now about that. Do you see Zapier or Zapier? <laughs> Reed's going to kill me if he listens to this. I don't know. It's like API is the key in it. So it's like Zapier. Oh, Zapier. Zapier. So that's like the, that's where it comes from. So. Is it? 
so the, the interface integrated with AI and it's like, hey, give me a workflow and I'll do it. I find myself struggling with it because I think at first I was too prescriptive and then I wasn't prescriptive enough. And it's kind of the same as when you're, say you need to delegate work, you need to know what you're first doing. And that's like the biggest issue that people have. So they're like, I'm just gonna hold on to this and I'll just do it all because I do it right. And it's like, you don't necessarily do it right. I think you just don't know how to communicate. And I'm talking about myself, this is a self roast because I have so many things that I could communicate and then give to somebody else. But I'm like, I don't wanna write it down. Or you're over explain something to somebody and then like it actually doesn't work that well because you, you've got yeah. so incredibly descriptive for it so yeah yeah it's like learning how to talk to these things it's, just, it's like a different tool set and it changes all the time like prompting from six seven months ago is already different now for a lot of these but it is a skill in itself i think for um yeah. it's also weird there's not a lot of things you do in life where like you ask something and then you get immediately you get to see immediate feedback on how bad you just communicated or how well you communicated right it did something like I was way off on that. I really got to change how I just asked it to do something. So you're, I think I tried to ask this in a really non-succinct way, but are you currently just taking the LLMs and like using them out of the box or are you, do you know how to fine tune or what do you, where's your interest? Yeah, they're, they're out of the box and <clears throat> the fine tuning, like your podcast with the gentleman from Unsloth where it was just funny because I was like, you know, they have well, one, they have like the adorable little animals on their website, yeah. which almost like makes you think it's going to be easy to understand. And then I was like trying to read and I'm like, I'm like, this sounds like a great problem they're solving, but I have no idea what that problem actually is because I've never yeah. actually fine tuned. And I would say if there's a thing I would like to understand more, it's like what fine tuning can do or like, I understand mm -hmm. the process, what it means. It's just like, I don't know if in any of my work so far, I've felt like I was disappointed with what it's doing and thus to necessitate fine tuning. Mm -hmm. So I guess, the, again, that was also a long way of saying, no, they're out of the box is basically what I use for. At best, yeah. I'll use something maybe more purpose built. That's probably already been fine tuned. So like in Jan, there's a couple good camera. Things. It's like either DeepSeek or Wizard to help with coding. So okay. I've used that. So, and I guess in a sense, that's a little more purpose built, but I personally yeah. haven't fine tuned anything. Yeah, neither have I. Uh, I am experimenting with like AI agents. So I saw that you had a post on baby AGI and I think I'm testing out super agent. I tested out crew AI, which is, mm. there's no interface. So that scared me. So it was just VS code. And I reached out to, I'm going to butcher his name, uh, Joe, Joe, the founder. And he, we did like an async interview and I, I just, I think it's one of those things you just need to kind of get in there, but I totally get what you're saying. Like, it's so difficult as a non-technical person to read through documentation. You're like, I don't know what an endpoint is. Like, <laughs> what, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. It's the little stuff. I call it like the implicit knowledge is stuff that anybody mm -hmm. who's like, they just know this stuff. But like, sometimes I find my projects, I'll get stuck on the silliest problem. Cause it's like, I don't know. I just didn't set up an environment variable correctly or something. I understand the file structure, but that's not like the project. It's just like a thing they probably learned in like programming 101. And, but I like kind of skipped all the, this basic yeah. stuff. So, you know, maybe that's a slight against what I'm doing, but regardless, I'm, I'm still going to keep doing it. The agent thing is really interesting. And I think maybe that's where fine tuning is interesting because 
like that baby AGI, those are all just like cool little experiments that came out of like an AI, like watching it chain a thought. But <clears throat> if you get to see or play with agents or, or even like try to do something, this is where you kind of see the AI is like, it's not good at a lot of stuff. It has to be like a very specific use case. And I think this is where fine tuning probably would come in, but a lot of mm -hmm. tasks that you ask it to do. And if there's like maybe a few steps involved, it, it can like F, I won't say F up at a lot of different <laughs> steps there. Whereas like if you just do like the one shot prompting or your shot, it's like these chains of stuff, you can really see where it breaks down. And I, I'm at, it's like a mm -hmm. prompting thing. It's the right data and, and maybe fine tuning, but the agent space, I'm, it's probably an area that I'm most excited about because this is like when people think about AI, that's what we're talking about. You know, it's out there mm -hmm. doing stuff completely on its own, which I find very exciting. Yeah. It's also what people that's... are scared about, but it's also very exciting. Yeah. A question that I had for you was what do you think people get wrong about mm. AI? Yeah, I would say I have a lot of hot takes maybe, but the one I think I find most interesting is a lot of people I think are really overestimating what, you know, is capable today, but conversely, I think a lot of people are underestimating. And, and when I say this, like, there's a lot of people probably like me who are like super just bullish on everything and like, oh my God, yeah, yeah, I can do that. And then there's like the really negative pessimistic people. Like I was talking to a guy who was, he was just, he was starting school to be a graphic designer. And I was kind of like, is that, I, I don't know. I could be totally way off base here. It seems like a rough place to enter right now as, as when you're there and you have all these different career paths i don't know if that's the right path because their thing was like no ai is really bad at like hands and stuff and i think there's still room for graphic designers i'm like yeah but like but i had this conversation three months ago it's like already i think a problem that's almost been solved so i think yeah. on people are underestimating some of the impacts but then there's also a really big school of people who are like vastly overestimating where we are so i I just, I just find it funny because that's like, if I'm in a community, everyone is like so excited about this. And then you talk to like people in the real world and they just kind of are very pessimistic or like, it's not that good, but I think people on both sides are wrong. Yeah. So I think the, enli we, we the enlightened have... centrism position. <laughs> I think we have very similar views on that because there's people that, yeah, there's definitely people that very pessimistic. Or I think someone, it was Daniel at Jan said to me that it's like a nine-year-old who's hallucinating sometimes, like a very precocious nine-year-old, but that's the kind of level that it's at at the moment. It's like, you wouldn't trust it to do your taxes, but it knows a lot of stuff. Like that's. It still knows a lot. And that's like, like I guess if I can do one more thing that is like when people downplay it a bit and they're like, well, it's just like fancy autocomplete. And I'm like, well, sort of, I guess, but also it's the most mind-blowing autocomplete ever, if that's the analogy you want to I don't know why that's like a negative thing for them to say, like, it's just a fancy autocomplete. I'm like, okay, sure, I guess, but have you used it? Like, God, I don't know. I think that there's two different types of people that say that. They, I think a way, the reason I say it is to kind of... Uh, not have people be too worried about it because I'm generally trying to speak to an audience who are not technical are using it like they might have been exposed to ChatGPT but might not have been don't know you know right. the capabilities they think oh it's a robot and it's like no it's literally like a fancy autocomplete but that being said it's still like amazing 
I think there is definitely like a way to kind of neg it and be like, just autocomplete. It's like, okay, bro, like you create AI. <laughs> Go and I do think... it if it's so easy. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Actually, it is a good way to explain it to like a new person, but like I've, I've yeah. come across where people are like dismissing it or like yeah. they'll, so like my, the company I'm at now, I used to work at a company called FinAI. They got acquired by this company, but our, our whole sole product was a chatbot, like a virtual assistant for banks and credit yeah. unions. And people would always like, like, well, it's not really AI, it's machine learning. I was like, I guess, I just like, don't know what you're dismissed. I don't know why it's just like, that's just people's behavior, but they'll always like say stuff like that. Or they're like, is it a real AI? And I'm like, well, philosophically speaking, what are we talking about here when you say this? Like, is it? A completely artificial intelligence you know like you, the topic you're like well are we getting philosophy here or is it yeah you're right actually it is machine learning let's just move on from <laughs> the topic so it's that i don't people it's just like a it's just human behavior some people just knee jerk poo poo stuff and the, the autocomplete one just always gives me a laugh so i'm like okay you know maybe it is in a sense in a very elementary sense but like my god it's the craziest autocomplete ever you can ask it seven different questions in different order referencing back and it'll just like answer them all for you like my autocomplete still does ducking so i don't know if this is like the great analogy but you're making me think about the funny things that my autocomplete has <laughs> said very recently you just mentioned about banking and finance and i want to speak about is glia glia yeah yeah, you're you working currently. yeah, correct. Yeah, well, we like at its core, Glee is just a tool that helps. Like, th there's credit unions in Australia, right? I believe so. Yeah, like, sort of mostly just banks. Yeah. Just I was path. gonna make a joke. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna be well, like, well, around my hut. <laughs> Canada's like there's like five banks in Canada and a bunch of really tiny credit unions, but I, I work with the US market where they have thousands of banks, thousands of credit unions, but. Um, our tool just helps customers or members because they're called members when you're a credit union, like more easily communicate with their financial institution through digital. So it could be video chat, you know, just regular chat or audio, just like we're speaking through the computer. So that's like the original platform. They acquired the company I was at before. So they have a virtual assistant now. So that it's like, that's not really generative AI because like obviously one of the biggest scariest risks in financial services is like something generating answers right and i know there's like a lot of good ways to reduce hallucinations but you know even if there's a 99.9 percent .9 chance the answer is always fine that 0.1 percent is a very scary to a bank so our tool actually like has the natural language understanding so if you ask it questions it'll pull from a preset answer so it can't generate an answer that's usually what banks want but on the flip side, there's a lot of like great stuff we're doing with generative AI on like the agent side. So helping them get contextual information in the conversations they're having and just making their life easier. So it's like one of that stuff like that, I think is really interesting because there's been a lot of tools where they sandwich generative AI and it's like so useless, right? It's like, I don't know. I don't even have an example off the top of my head, but it's like, you know, yeah. th that little star icon that everything has now and yeah. you click in, it's just like, it was probably a press release and that was it. But on with Glaze and a lot of stuff where it's just making the agents so someone that works in customer service, make the, like the, the repetitive stuff at their job, not part of the job. So they can just focus on talking to the customer. It's like maybe the core thing that we're trying to deliver. You know, similar to like Gong actually, you mentioned Gong. So like Gong records my calls, it does summaries and helps me with notes without me doing anything. So I can just focus on selling. I think that right now, that's like the low hanging fruit 
for a lot of this. And companies keep adopting that mindset rather than like generate an AI post or something like LinkedIn has one that I think is so dumb. So it's like, it's like useless stuff like that. So, but I like, it's like, make my, make my life easier. Don't just like make it yeah. rewrite something or come up with it. I don't know. Hey. That was a bit of a rant. So. <laughs> no, that's fine. Rants are fine. Are you, are you on client side? Are, are you like client adoption of Glia? Would well, you get a lot of objections? I guess I'm saying like about AI specifically. Yeah, we, I would say less so actually. So it's like funny that the company has that before, like, you know, is there, I don't know what, what, what year is it now? But it was like maybe 2019 when I started or something. It was like 2019 and pe- there were chatbots obviously around. There was lots. There's just, it's like they're all so bad and like they're so so bad or they took extraordinary amounts of work to even get good like i don't know if google dialogue flow it's like a bot builder but it takes tons of work to even make it halfway decent the one of the company i was that was actually very good only in the context of banks and credit unions because that was the other thing like this general purpose knowledge that we mm. have access to now that wasn't a thing like you had to have very vertical specific tools because that was the only way to have it good this, Again, technology just wasn't quite there. So you had, it was a very hard conversation. People didn't know about it. They had a really bad taste with AI. So it was like, honestly, quite hard. And banks and credit unions are a very conservative industry. So it was not the easiest thing to pitch. So your objections would, yeah, like the objection might be like, I just have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) So it was kind of like that. And, you know, Honestly, since ChatGPT came out, life's been a lot easier because people understand it, they get it, they have mm-hmm. exposure to it. And sometimes the objections are, well, I don't want the thing generating answers. We're scared of that. You're like, perfect. It doesn't do that. So it's been a great like up-leveling collectively of knowledge that the tool is less scary, I guess. The, wor- the world of AI is less scary because you know, pe- all pe- most people, not all, have been able to use ChatGPT in some capacity, which has just been like free marketing in a sense because... When I talk about it, they, they get the general idea rather than, you know, the scary chatbot thing that they either think is going to be crappy because that's the biggest objection is like, well, I called, you know, CVS in the States, it's like a, a pharmacy thing, and it's got the worst virtual assistant. It's just like, it doesn't want you to get to a human. That's the problem with it. So just like railroads you, doesn't give you helpful answers. So that's like been almost anti-marketing because that's people's bad exposure to it. We're in a very different world now with just people having so much more knowledge. It's like splattered all over the news and everywhere we hear about it. Whereas before it was like this weird little thing, like as an example, here's a funny story. So I was at a conference and we had a booth and so we're like, it was all just bankers. So again, assume like maybe tech people knew about chatbots, had a better understanding, but go to a very conservative industry like banking where the stuff just hasn't even hit their radar. And, I had a big banner behind me that said like AI powered virtual assistant. And like this lady comes up, she like puts her glasses. She's like, who's Al? And I was like, I was like, what? I'm like, what? She's like, Al powered? Cause it's just like a with a capital I. And I was like, what the heck? I'm like, oh no, it doesn't, it's not even worth explaining anything here. So, <laughs> oh, Al. Yeah. He's not here right now. He's the guy that powers the conversation when you're chatting with it, but yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, that. That was like the old world, I think. And now it's mm-hmm. less weird to see AI powered something. Yeah. In fact, we probably see it too much now. I think we see it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking about my friends in like marketing, product marketing specifically that have like a vendetta against AI powered. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's fair. It is the Super Bowl today, tonight. How long does the Super Bowl go for? 
I think it's about three hours, roughly. And we'll, what kind of extra commercials we'll have slotted in, but. Do people like the commercials? Like, is that well, here, here's the thing. So my American friends are probably watching some really great commercials that we'll all see on Twitter later. Canada doesn't get those. We get hyper-regional commercials. So, in fact, just before I hopped on, like, the king of flooring from a small town near here was advertising their flooring sale. With the, with the Super Bowl in mind, I always ask everyone, if you could have invented anything, what would it be? Like a thing that's already invented and I wish I came yeah. up with the idea or? Oh, yeah. okay. You can pick two. So you can pick the intellectual property rights for something. And then also you can pick just having invented something. Mm, okay. So. Well, I'm going to go to an ebook reader and why I pick this is hilariously. I found my mom shared like a, do you know what a duotang is? Do they have those in Australia? It's just like a folder. Uh -huh. I don't know if it's just a Canadian term. It's just a place to hold your paper. It's got little bendy metal clips in it. The three holes. We don't have any paper over here. So. Yeah. It's just like writing in the dust on the sand kind of thing. Yeah. I know. Usually a slate. <laughs> okay, good. All right. Well, it's a place to keep your little slates that you have, I guess. But I had this whole mock-up for like a little e-reader and with like little cartridges. And this would have been like, you know, just like early, early nineties. So I was like, well, wow, that was a pretty good idea. Again, yeah, no so technical knowledge to have done it. So I'll, I'll just pick ebook reader for this one. I, I think so I had the idea first. Yeah. We've got to go find them and fight them. <laughs> Who would you interview in the AI space? That, yeah, I would say that the guy we were talking about before was like Jane Harrison Chase, only because like he's just so incredibly helpful. Because I think when, you know, ChatGPT hit, there was the OpenAI APIs and stuff. But if you ever get to building stuff, there's a lot of like other stuff to make it work, like, you know, vectors and embeddings, like how to take a big chunk of text and make that searchable by my AI or context length windows, right? You, you can't just puke in 10,000 words. You have to break up stuff. How do you easily break something up. The, the tools exist, but you, again, have to go find out which tool it is, how it works, how do I make those API calls? Like, LangChain just made it so you could do all that stuff with, like, their little recipe books. They call their cookbooks to do that. And it's just, like, I have a very soft spot in my heart for that because it was just so tremendously helpful. Because, I don't know, like, when you start a project, you like, oh, I have such a good idea. Oh, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. Well, Langchain already thought of all that stuff. So I just got to like follow along and that's, they're always like kind of at the cutting edge for where a lot of this is going. And again, shout out to the open source, right? So they're doing a lot of really great accessible stuff. That leads me to my last question, which is like, where do you keep up with everything with like the AI news and like, do you have specific places? Like you said, you're, you're a Redditor. Yeah. Reddit, Twitter, and then a couple newsletters. So Ben's Bytes uh, is one. Yeah. yeah, he's quite famous. Now Unsupervised Learning is in the uh, repertoire oh, here. Thank you. Plug for the show. But that's it. Yeah, Twitter is probably the biggest one in Reddit. And then just, you know, the AI meetups are very helpful because you get a lot of people that mm. are doing weird or creative stuff, mm. I guess I'll say. And it's like, I'm sure you feel the same way. It's an industry that's literally impossible to keep up with even like... Yep the major developments, it's insane. I'm like, I found I was killing myself just trying to, I, I didn't want to miss anything. Now it's just like, you know what? I'm happy stuff's moving along and, you know, dive yeah. in because you'll just go crazy trying to keep up with everything. Yeah, the FOMO is very real. <laughs> I don't think people sleep very much in the space. <laughs> yeah. But where can 
I will put it in the show notes, but where are you most reachable for people that want to chat to you? Definitely LinkedIn. So, sorry, your the Vancouver AI meetup, is it just called? Yeah, well, we, we shortened it up a bit. It's the Van AI meetup. Ooh. <laughs> That's right. And people um, show up with vans and they're like, hello. Yeah, no, no, no van widows coming up yet offering, you know, mm. free free LLM tokens on the side of, out of the side of their van. Yeah, it's probably LinkedIn is probably where I'm most active. You know, that definitely mm-hmm. speaks back to the sales part of me. Thank you very much for yep. being on the show and having such great insights and conversation. <laughs> that, that is so sarcastic. It's really not. <laughs> but, like, oh, yeah. thanks. I thought that was okay. Yeah, thank you so much. I love what you're doing here. And I feel, I mean, you had a couple like real you know, have your hitters already and now you're coming to the salespeople. So we appreciate you thinking of us in this LLM world. That wraps up this week's episode of Unsupervised Learning. I'm your host, Renee, and I've had a great time chatting with you. As always, links to everything we discussed will be in the show notes. Make sure you reach out to our guests, questions or feedback, reach out to pod at unsupervisedlearning.co. Until then, leave a like, follow or rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or YouTube. And until next week, stay curious.